Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. Uh, we are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP uh, channel only uh, based out of Dallas as well. Business started in 2004. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're currently about a dozen employees. We're an MSP. We were originally founded in 1999. Many years in the working and here we are. So we hope that you really get a lot out of this podcast and learn the things that I wish somebody would have told me. Hi, welcome back to the next episode of IT for Whiskey. Today, I am joined by my very good friend and close buddy, Myron Herrera. My name is Joe Ucia, and we're going to talk about a topic that a lot of people want to know about and always at most of the events is a, is a big topic of discussion. How do you break beyond your local geography? How do you grow beyond your area? Hey, 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 what's going on? You know, and I think, and I think we've got a pretty decent expert here today to talk mm. about that. I think his name, you, you may have heard of him before. I think his name is Myron, you know, the guy that <laughs> is a couple different countries and a few different cities. Oh yeah, that's right. Myron, you're my co-host. Oh, talk wow. to me, buddy. I, I want to first say thanks to Stephanie for coming up with this topic. I think it's a, it's a great topic to uh, talk about. You know, when we started to expand Cinetech beyond New Jersey, I wish I had some insight. So hopefully in this episode, we'll figure out how to help those that are looking to expand. It's a difficult process because you're, you're afraid you're going to, you maybe have a, a, a chance to, to go and, and, and spend some money in a new location, a new area, a new region. How do you, where do you put those dollars to work? How to, how to properly do it? it it's really challenging. It's tough. Have you ever gotten out of, you know, and I mean, I think you have business in other areas, right? Right. So we're, we're headquartered out of Toronto, but we do actually have operations in Montreal as well. And we have virtual operations in the UK that's customer driven more than anything else. I, I don't have any staff there today, but our customers wouldn't know the difference. Well, that's the thing. So everybody thinks that you have to have staff to be able to get into an area. And the reality is that what we've realized is that, especially once you start getting into larger clients that are multi-location and so on and so forth, if you have a customer that has maybe, maybe you get a customer that has 10 locations or whatnot, and, and eight of those locations are outside of your area. If the customer, if the number of users is, is large enough, maybe you negotiate the contract where you put somebody there in that area so that you can support those users. And it's, and it's mostly paid by the, by that one account, you know, or a portion of that person's salary is paid by that, that, that account. And then the rest of the time you use that person remotely. And now all of a sudden you have a foothold in that new area. And now you can focus on trying to get businesses in those areas. And I think that, that a lot of people are, are thinking about, well, maybe I need to go and get, put a sales strategy together, put a salesperson or somebody on, you know, in, in a location first to try to drive and grow that area. I think it should be approached based on your existing business and what you're, you have today and how can you expand? I, I, I agree. So one of the interesting, most interesting thing is when we started operations in Montreal, which is a 
the only French, well, the main French-speaking province uh, in Canada. It was tough. And we hemmed and hawed about, do we hire people? Do we not? Do we do it virtually? And it, it was a long, hard battle. We interviewed and we went back and forth. And it was it was a, a lot of work. What we ended up doing was just taking one person, putting them out there, built the customer base out, and you know the rest has been history. So doing exactly what you said, because we had a customer that had enough justification to cover 50% of that employee's wages. Great. The other 50%, hey, work remote. So that that employee worked from home for for quite a while. So it it, it worked out well for us. Let me interrupt you real quick. I I want one thing that we've done, and we had a, we've done this in a a few places, is that we put a a full-time person at the customer's location and negotiate with the customer that they're only going to deal with issues or tickets that are related to on-site for the customer. The rest of the stuff is going to go to our help desk. And that technical resource, while being on site at the customer and is not assigned a ticket that they have to do something, they're supporting other customers of ours remotely. And the customer is okay with that because that lowers the cost to have that person on site. Sometimes it's 50%. Sometimes, I mean, I've seen it up to, you know, as much as 30%, you know, of the cost of the person. And and it's, it's a win-win because the customer gets somebody on site, you get a resource in the area and you disperse your help desk. So that way it's not all in one place in case there is a situation, because let's say if you have all your staff at your office, your main office and your office loses internet, now you can't support. But if you have other people that are in different locations, then that you know you have continuity for business. So it's 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 finding that balance, and each business and each scenario is different. You got to find what works for you. I agree. The secret though is winning the lottery. What I mean by that, let me let me explain. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. What I mean by that is actually finding an industry that's in growth, and then getting into that customer that's in growth, and then growing with them. So I'll give you an example of, of, of what's happening to us right now. And I'm not going to name the customer or the industry because of NDA, but three years ago, we got into to, uh, to a new account. This organization, Canadian-based, and the they got a new CEO. And this CEO is all about growth and really, he's a really bright individual. Within a year and a half, they bought a company in the U.S. So they expanded to the U.S. So they had 300 locations in Canada. And they bought a company in the U.S. that had 55 locations. Competitor, uh, per se. Guess what just happened last week? The CEO called me up and said, listen, we're opening up operations in Italy. We've, we've, we've targeted Italy as our next country to, to grow into. Can you help us there? And I said, of course. You know, everything we do is remote, blah, 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 blah this, that, and the other. He's like, yeah, but we're going to start small. We're, we're buying a company there. I'm looking at a company to buy there. It's only three locations. But I'm going to take that company that's three locations, and we're going to grow it across Italy, and I want to build 100 to 150 locations in 36 months, which means you're going to need people there. And I said to the CEO, I said, we can do that, but there's costs associated with it, and you have to recognize now I'm setting up operations. It's like, grow with me. You guys have killed it for us in the last three years. Now let us, you know, kind of, we're partners. We're, we, we, you are my IT department, so we right. need to grow together. So let's look at the costs. So just yesterday, I sat with the CEO and the CFO, and we ran through what some, like, cost modeling and trying to figure it out. And 
if this is successful and if their acquisition is successful, they'll be our anchor tenant in 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 Italy, right, to grow throughout Europe. Now, I I, I do have a little bit of a unique advantage that I'm a dual citizen. I'm like Italian yeah. Canadian. Yeah. I've got both citizenships, so I personally can go there and do it. Like that's what I meant by lottery ticket. So that to me was a lottery ticket. Yeah, it's going to be different for everybody's going to be different, and you got to look right. at what your strengths are, right? So in our case one of our largest clients, you know, opened a, a facility in, in Massachusetts and is opening a second one in Massachusetts. So all of a sudden we now have a need to support, you know, a few hundred users there. Well, maybe we need to put a person there and that person can start by supporting those, but now I can target, do target marketing in, in, in a specific area of Massachusetts. And now we can grow our Massachusetts business. And all of a sudden you start with a technical person there. Maybe you do some sales remotely. Maybe you have somebody fly in and do some sales meetings and so on and so forth. And you take that kind of risk, but once it's all established and it takes, it takes some time to establish it, but you now have a presence. It's it's definitely doable. I think a lot of times the MSP market, especially the smaller MSP, focuses a lot of their business on referrals. I would say it's it's double-edged sword with that because you you can get referrals and it, they can be all scattered all over the place. You know, we we've had that happen to us. And then all of a sudden to support somebody, it takes you forever because you got to go from one area to the other instead of being in a specific niche or not, the word's not niche. It's a specific demographic, a specific ge- geography. Yeah, and a specific geography. If they're close by, let's say in a, in a 50 mile radius or whatever, you now know that it's going to take you X amount of time to get to a customer. Whereas if you're right. getting referrals that are coming all over the place, it's more sporadic. So you, you want to be able to have that, that control and maybe decide at, at what point is that opportunity too far. Don't be afraid of it. Like we have a customer in Kansas City. We don't have any other business in Kansas City, but it's a big enough customer in Kansas City where we may expand into Kansas City now because we have that anchor customer, right? So those are the things that you got to consider. And only you know that. But don't be afraid to take the, the challenge. I mean, at the worst case scenario, if it's not working, you just go back to the customer and say, look, it's not working. I'm gonna, let's work out a 90-day, 120-day, you know, where we'll help you transition into another provider. And you help them through one of the forums or one of the associations like Ask You or whatever. You'll help them find a better partner for them or looking at it from a separate standpoint and you still want to keep the customer, you go again to those ASCII forums or other, you know, uh, uh, networking and say, guys, I, or, or, you know, members, I have an opportunity in Kansas City. I don't have presence there. Can I partner with you so that when I need somebody on site, can I use you? And that opens you the door to get to that location. You know what I mean? And there's there's opportunity. I think people are very afraid to do that. You know, we're now in like 40 states. If it wasn't because we took that opportunity and those chances, we wouldn't be able to do that. And that's that's important for growth. The interesting thing about what you just said. So a very good friend of mine, he's a local player in my market, but we are very close to the point that we share resources. Internal resources staff, we split the the payroll. Because of we play in different markets, we do the exact same thing, but he'll go after customers I will never touch. He goes after churches and dentists, and that's his market. That's his special. I don't, I would never touch those. And if I ever touched, if it came across one, I'd say, here, take it, kind of thing, and vice versa, right? Yeah, because mm-hmm. I couldn't do that stuff, right? Anyway, so we actually share some of our payroll together, and we're very close, we're very tight. 
he decided about three years ago, he wanted to get into the Vancouver market for XYZ reasons. He had a customer, two customers that had offices there, whatever the case was, would be, right? So he decided, this is my target. It was about three years ago. Signed some deals, did what you just said. He went, uh, he's an ASCII member as well. And he went, signed these customers, got some local presence, built it up, whatever, whatever, closed those deals. And then he started marketing hard. He hired a, a junior inside rep that all that person did was called out to those, to companies in that territory. He yep. And he built up a customer base there over the course of the years. Again, dentists, churches, preschools, uh, daycares, Montessori's. That's what he focuses on. That's all he does. So he started taking them on one by one by one. Do you know that now in Vancouver, he has like 15 staff three years later that he had zero presence. That's, Why? That's it. it was a focus for him. He built it. And, and then the best part is, and, and, the reason why I can't say who the company is and whatever is he is now acquiring his biggest competitor. That's what it's all about. Like, you know, you, you're able to get out there, you get into this area, you're able to focus in the area. And then if you're doing well, you'll be able to go out and get, you know, acquire a partner, you know, merge, whatever the case is right. in those areas and grow. So, Oh, by the way, Myron, you know what the interesting thing is for our listeners, just, just to kind of put into perspective in Toronto, Guess how many employees he was when he started this? One, two. He was seven plus himself. That's great. He was super tiny, super small, but super focused. And so we, we've talked about this in the past on past episodes about picking your poison, taking your vertical, going after, and that's what he did. So they're, by the way, over the last three, three and a half years, they've gone from like half a dozen employees to 50. And we don't have the SBA in Canada to help us. We don't mm -hmm. have those, those, the FIs that'll help us. Mm -hmm. We don't, you, it's either you do it on your own or you don't do it, right? Like we don't have any help. So he had to find ways to do it in different ways, right? At the end of the day, you know what? Once he's done this, they'll be at like 50 employees. God bless him for that, whatever, whatever. All organic growth, but whatever. But I'll tell you something. The biggest thing here is this focus. That to me is the key word. If you look at, you know, our acquisition recently, their biggest thing was their focus. They focused on a specific type of customers. I like that type of customer. So that's, that's what, apart from the other reasons, that, that was another reason why I liked that acquisition. And we're, we're putting that into play because focusing on a specific niche type of customer or client is it, it allows us to standardize, it allows us to lower the support cost and, and so on and so forth. And it allows us to go into other areas easier because we know exactly who our target customer is. And it makes that a, a much easier process. So I'll tell you one thing though, as, as you know, Joe, we struggled today to get this recording started because we were having all kinds of technical issues and I've been drinking for a while. I like to talk about what I'm drinking. Oh, you know, that's a really good point. We haven't, here we are like 15 minutes in on the show and we haven't talked about what we're drinking. What are you drinking today, Byron? I went to, you know, I, I, I always go to the liquor store because I got to find what, what I'm going to drink next no. at the next, at the next podcast. Yeah, you know it's it's bad when the when the when the people at the liquor store know you by name. It's like, hey, Myron, good to see you. It's like, cheers, hey, right? What are you are you buying for the for episode? You know, fifty five. You know, <laughs> I found actually something that I thought was pretty interesting. So I bought a gift set, and and I'm recommending this to somebody that wants to try new things. So it was a gift set that had smaller bottles 
these are 375 milliliters so half a bottle basically and it came in a in this particular case it came in a three bottle case as a gift set this brand is which i had never tried because i was always afraid to buy a bottle because i i didn't know anything about the brand and i didn't want to spend the money on one bottle and then all of a sudden i don't like it but it gave me three options for the price of one basically or give or take for the price of one nice you know i'm bad with names it's glenn for dry glenn for dry it's at uh, glenn g-l-e-n f-o-h-d-r-y and it's a space side single malt Again, I had three. I'm only trying one today. I'm going to save the other ones for, for other days. This one specifically is a double matured French oak cask finish. So what they do is that they first put it in a French oak, unused French oak cask, and they let it mature there. Once they've matured it there for X amount of time, they don't actually say, the malt master tastes it and approves when it's ready to go into another French oak cask, but one that has already been used with French wine. So it infuses some of that French wine taste into it. So I'll tell you, man, I'm surprised. And I was telling Stephanie, um, our production manager in the, in the background about this, because this is something that is soft. It's got a, a hint of sweetness, but not too much. You know, for somebody that doesn't drink scotch, this thing is great. Nice. Yeah, for sure. I am drinking a very popular drink today. It's actually bourbon day for me. Believe it or not, I, I'm i not a big fan of Jim Beam in general. However, there's a couple of products that Jim Beam makes that I do like. One of them I do like is Basil Hayden, as I've said in the past. By the way, you can't go wrong with with Basil Hayden. Oh, Basil Hayden's great. I, I, always, have, I, always, have, I always have Basil Hayden in the house. Like it's, it's a staple in my place and not the rye, just the regular one. Absolutely. The regular one. The rye one is not great. The regular one is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So what are you having? But today I'm drinking Booker's. So Ooh. today I'm drinking Booker's. It, it is, this one is six years, 11 months it is batch 2021 01 E 62.65%, 125.3% proof, 125% proof. The thing about Booker's that is really interesting and very different from the rest of the Jim Beam products, it is actually done uh, by Booker No. And Booker No is actually Jim Beam's grandson. So out of all the Jim Beam brands, he's the only bloodline still running something exclusively that's 100% his. It's his baby. They always do it in small batches. And they call it the group of ultra premium Booker uh, bourbon whiskeys. So they're handcrafted in limited quantities and the recipes date back over 200 years. What you got to know about that is that Booker No started this signature bourbon as a holiday gift for his family, friends and members like 30 years, 40 years ago. And then he, everyone liked Booker so much that they started mass producing it. So talk about history. He was the guy that introduced the world to small batch bourbon by coining the term. So that's the original small batch. You know what they say in my house? I say Booker and they say no. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so strong. <laughs> 62 proof is, is high. No, 62%. It's 125 proof. So what I'm doing today is, um, and how I like my bookers, I know some people say this sacrilege. You know what? Whatever. I'm Canadian, eh? I'm drinking it with a little bit of, 
I'm bringing it back after two years. Maple water. Oh yeah. So I I like my I like my bookers with a little bit of maple water. Today I'm drinking Sapsucker, which is an exclusive. It's only available in Canada. Sapsucker. It is uh, slightly carbonated, so it really takes the flavors uh, you find inside of Booker's because it's a very heavy body bourbon, and it just it brings it out. And I'm I love my Perrier, I love my club sodas, I love my what do you guys call that in the states? Your your soda waters uh, for carbonated water. What do you call carbonated water in the states? Seltzer. Seltzer. Thank you. No seltzer. Seltzer. So it, it, we don't use that word up here. So I have no idea what that means. But in Canada, we call it club soda. So they take a little bit of seltzer. They take some sap, uh, maple water, and they made sap sucker. And then you put that in the bookers. It is a whole other dimension. Fantastic. I've drank a couple of bottles of bookers, but I've never tried it with maple water to see if it takes away a little bit of the heat. Zero heat when you do it like this. Zero so I, I wanted to talk about something before we, we finish the episode. I wanted to talk about a couple of things that we, we always talk about our Canadian listeners. We always talk about our, our U.S. listeners. But we have listeners in Japan, in China, in U.K., in Ireland. I mean, we are, we are all over the place. Don't forget, don't forget about our cousins under. Yeah, down under. Yeah, Australia. That's right. So I wanted I wanted to say hi to all you guys, uh, ladies that are listening. Appreciate the 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 listen. Uh, don't stay out. Email us. Communicate via Instagram or you know Facebook, you know, or LinkedIn. Put in a message. We, you know, our email is social itforwhiskey.com. Love to hear from you. We actually take the time to respond. To Absolutely. Everyone that messages us. Absolutely. Just so you know, it's not like. You want to connect with us directly and talk to Myron and I? Hit us up, email. Hit us up on, on social media, and you'll hear from from either one of us, if not both, like right away. Absolutely. So definitely communicate with us. Let us know what you like. Joe, you want to uh, finish it off? At the end of it all, I mean, the best part about what we do for a living is for for most of us, we got into this because we really love what we do. We enjoy seeing the smile on our customers' faces. And I know for me, for one, and I, I sure, Myron, you agree with this, I went outside of my local area because I saw the opportunity to make more people smile and more people appreciate good technology solutions. So at the end of the day, yeah, you can compete locally. And there's a lot of uh, MSPs out there that make a fantastic lifestyle out of competing locally. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's growing beyond your local geography is for a lot of people. And I know dozens of, I, of MSPs that I've met over the years have no desire growing. They tell me, you know what? We do three, four million a year. I take home 500K a year for myself. The rest is the company. I'm happy. I don't need more. And I'll never grow beyond my four walls. And that's okay. So you need to really look back at your business model and decide on what your objectives are. Are you happy with 100K a year? Are you happy with 50K a year? Are you happy with 500K a year? Like there's, there's no right or wrong answer. The reason why you got into this business is to make your mark in the world and to do your own thing. What your own thing? Only you can decide what that means. So you need to really measure that. Put that three, five, ten-year plan together. Decide where you want to go and stick to it. And like I said, my buddy that's grown 
enormously because he put that plan together, he's hit the metrics. You know, Myron, you're one of the most successful people I've ever met as far as growth is concerned in a short amount of time. You know what? I'm, I'm proud to call you one of my best friends in the world because Aww. I admire your... No, I'm being serious. This is not... I'm not trying to kiss your butt. I, I, I remember five years ago when we sat down and you were telling me about what you wanted to do. And you said, in five years, here's where I'm going to be. Honestly, I think you blew that away. You, you've actually gone, you've exceeded what you thought you were going to do. Why? Because you're a focus. So geo is one thing. Revenue is another. Lifestyle is another. Like whatever the case may be, pick your poison and decide how you want to grow or not grow. Decide how you wanted to support your business or not support your, like your lifestyle. And at the end of the day, we're all different. That's why we exist. So Figure your things out. Decide if you want to grow beyond your geo. Decide on, you know, some some people want to grow to be acquired because I've got five geographies. So I'm going to attract the big guys. They're going to come and suck me up and I'm going to cash out and retire. That's great. Just do it. Whatever it is, Nike's got it right. Just do it. And with that. And on that note, I want to say cheers and take it away. IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. You smoke that Cisco and you may uh, DDoS yourself.